This is the Elite Development Podcast, a show with the aim of helping athletes evolve in every element of their careers through real-world advice and experience. I'm your host, Kenny Dussault. I'm a strength and conditioning coach in Calgary, Alberta, with a singular focus on building better athletes. And now, let's get to the episode. Thank you all for tuning in again to another episode of the Elite Development Podcast. Today, I have Dr. Richard Mack on the show with me. Richard is a rehab and performance coach. He's been practicing in physical therapy for the past 12 years and worked with martial artists, combat athletes for the past three years. Dr. Mack launched his digital rehab and performance coaching business in the middle of the pandemic last year and has grown to work with martial artists and combat athletes across the United States and around the world. Well, Doc, I'm very excited to have you here. I appreciate you taking the time to join me today. Cool, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's, uh, I'm flattered that you have me on. So, Hey, absolutely. So just to get us started, can you tell me a little bit about you know, your background um, and sort of what led you in the direction of working in physical therapy and then further what led you in the direction of uh, focusing more on the combat athlete demographic? Um, so it's funny because um, I switched careers like before I was working in like Wall Street, just working on the trading floor. I didn't like it. And I decided to switch into physical therapy. And then um, I got into martial arts like uh, while I was in school and I was just practicing. Uh, first, I started JKD, Jeet Kune Do school, like Bruce Lee and stuff like that. But then I just kind of veered off towards Muay Thai. And I'd just been training Muay Thai while going to school. And then uh, once I became a physical therapist, I was busy and stuff working but then i got back into muay thai and i've just been training muay thai for a number of years and some bjj but um when i decided to kind of man, like kind of blend these two things together it was really like three years ago where i was just working exclusively with like teammates and fighters at a gym because we're all buddies and then um it really just kind of took off from there and then once the pandemic hit um you know, I just kind of decided, like, I just wanted to embrace my passion, which was just working with my fellow martial artists and combat athletes. And I launched a digital business and really just taught people like athletes how to own their injuries just by themselves and also just training smarter. And that just has resonated a lot. And I'm just thankful that it's growing. Yeah, well, I mean, I think especially in the world of combat sports, like, uh, you know, as I was saying before, we clicked record, I work with a few combat athletes now. And especially in the world of combat sports, I think learning to train smarter is something that so many out there need, right? Like, I know there's a huge mentality of we've always got to do more, do more, do more, outwork everybody, which obviously is important. But there's a real missing factor there of, well, part of outworking everybody is out recovering everybody too, right? Yeah, there's a there's definitely a, a big thing behind that, right? Because um, in the gym, they're always like, oh, well, be the hardest worker in the room, be the hardest worker in the room. So generally, they always trash themselves, they're overtraining. And the one thing they don't realize is that, you know, you can push yourself to a certain level. But if you go beyond your capacity, you just get diminishing returns. And then once you get the diminishing returns, that's when you start feeling trashed, you get injured, you get sidelined. And basically, you set yourself back you know, you take time off from training, you become frustrated. Then when you jump back into training, you double down on the same behavior that didn't help you. And it's just a vicious cycle. And that's where I'm there to kind of break that cycle for them. Yeah. Well, I mean, I love that just because again, like, you know, as soon as you're, as soon as you set yourself back with those injuries or whatever it is from overtraining, then the first thing to go through the guy's brain, right. Is, 
well, now I've missed two months, so I've got to go even harder to make up for those two months I missed. And then, yeah, as you said, it just gets trapped in that, in that vicious cycle. Um, and from my own experience working with combat athletes, one common thing is I know that, you know, that mentality of always needing to do more, feeling like your opponent's in the gym when you're not, so you need to be going that much harder. It is very present. And it's one thing for, you know, me as a coach or even you to turn to them and say, well, no, you need to take a rest day. It's a whole other thing for them to understand it. So is there a simple way that you would break that down to an athlete of why on that, on that rest day, you really need to take the rest and you don't go for that extra training session, even if you feel like it's okay. And like, you can manage it. Um, generally, uh, as we develop a relationship or when they seek me out, you know, they, they do realize that they kind of had that point, but like if they do seek me out, um, they've kind of gone through those cycles where they just train themselves all like into the ground and, you know, they're tired of that cycle and they realize this is not sustainable. So they reach out to me. Um, there's other athletes where I just have that conversation with them. Like once we really start dialing down, well, dialing in their recovery and their routines, and then they start noticing like, wow, my performance does improve. Like my gas tank is better. Wow. I'm hitting for more power and doing more sessions and I'm not feeling trapped. And then it just, and, uh, it's been cool. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a cool experience. I know uh, one of my boxers in particular, when he started working with me, I remember him saying after a couple of months, man, I always feel like when I leave here, I don't feel like we ever worked that hard. It's like, but then I go to boxing that night and like, I feel great. And I sort of said, well, yeah, isn't that the isn't that the idea? Like, don't you want to feel good when you're boxing? And he goes, well, yeah, but it's like, I don't feel like we work that hard. I'm like, well, yeah, because we're working on movements with the goal of helping you perform at practice. You know, if we beat mm -hmm. you into the ground with a really tough conditioning session and then send you off to go spar, well, what good is that? You're going to get your ass kicked. And then, you know, that's not going to, that's not going to do you too well. So looking at, you know, training as a whole, not just every individual session as having to be that hard. I know for him in particular it was a huge shift, but something that I think a lot of fighters out there really should be, should be thinking about. Right. Yeah, um, I actually enroll a number of fighters because um, I do send them, let's say, my training pipeline worksheet. And it's really just like a graphic that just kind of shows a pipeline and really like the different components that really goes into your training into leading into competition day. And what happens is they when they look at it, they notice that, oh, man, I have leaks in these pipelines, which basically means when you have leaks, you're not really getting the most out of the work you're putting in. And uh, once we kind of take a big step back and really look at the picture and like what's going on with them and really balance things out. And by training smarter and knowing to give the appropriate stimulus for each, each uh, part of their pipeline, then they realize that things are more efficient and they're getting more out of it versus just dedicating all their time into one area and then really not leaving much room or time to address the other areas that they need to work on. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's a cool way to look at it. Just sort of the energy pipelines. Like, can you talk a little bit more, like how did you develop that system and uh, you know, how has that system kind of evolved for you? Um, so I learned in for, like from business cause I had my own business coach and we, we, we always kind of talked about like, you know, uh, clients and funnels and sales and stuff like that. But then I took a look at it and I kind of related to with, fighters and combat athletes. And I just realized that there's a number of components. Like obviously if you're skills training, your strength and conditioning, 
your sleep and recovery, obviously your nutrition and your injury management. And then basically once you kind of dial all those things in, the less leaks you have, the better you perform on, let's say, your competition day or fight night. But let's say if you are putting all the work and skills training and strength and conditioning, but your sleep and recovery is like really poor, you're just going to leak out all your gains and you're not going to get the most out of it. And especially if you're getting injured and you're, let's say, running to a massage therapist or a chiropractor or a physical therapist, having it work on you all the time, that takes away time from your training. So if I seal all those like leaks and just teach them to be independent, train smart, they could dedicate enough time for skills training while moving the needle forward in the other areas. Well, man, I love that. Such a simple idea, but I can only imagine that that's, uh, that's incredibly effective. And so for any fighter right now that might be listening to this and realizing, wow, I've got some leaks, but you know, not really sure where to start. What would be the best, what would be your best advice, you know, how to assess your average training week properly to, you know, really catch those leaks and start to work on them. So, um, oddly enough, like I actually offer it for free. So there's a link in my bio or my Instagram page. You can just put your email, sign up, you get the training pipeline worksheet. And then there's some questions to ask for each pipeline and really just kind of analyze your training. So, uh, you know, it's like, Hey, are you dedicating enough skills training? to balance out with your strength and conditioning or is your strength conditioning taking too much time, uh, taking time away from your skills training, or let's say with your, um, sleep and recovery, are you always feeling tired during your training sessions? Are you feeling energized? Are you eating enough to fuel your workouts while making weight or injury management? Are you always running to a professional to get fixed up every week versus feeling pretty good? So those questions will have you kind of uh, sit back and really realize like, okay, maybe these are the areas I need to improve on. And then you could just chat with me. Well, I love that. I mean, very simple. I would like, that sounds like an awesome idea. I hope some people will just hear that and go right to your bio and click that, uh, click that to check it out. Cause I think that, you know, one thing I know in my own strength and conditioning practice that I've been really trying to focus on the last few years is taking a more holistic approach. Like obviously the strength and conditioning side is important. You know, being at your physical best is extremely important, but if your mindset is off, if you, if your sleep and recovery is off, if your skills training is off, if you're always kind of, you know, battling off injuries, these are all going to be areas of your performance as an athlete that are, you know, that need to come together to create the best athlete possible. It's no one element that's going to, you know, that's going to get you to the top of your sport, right? Yes. Um, the holistic approach is going to be very important. Um, obviously, you know, every strength coach has their own style and stuff like that. Um, some will just think like, well, if I do certain exercises with bands or, you know, unstable training and stuff like that, it's going to stimulate the nervous system and whatever. But the thing was, it's like, listen, if you're trashed, like all that exercise is really not going to do much. So if you put an athlete in that best environment to succeed and grow, then yeah, those exercises may play a role in improving, but you kind of have to lay a nice foundation first to build off of. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. If you're trash and you're coming in exhausted every day, it doesn't really matter what you're doing in training. You're probably not benefiting that much from it. If you're not, if you're under recovered, if you're not eating well, all of those things, like those are going to be the huge pieces of that foundation. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, very, very key because um, the, I have athletes like uh, one is like, um, you know, older, he's in his 30s and his goal is to make it on the ultimate fighter. And, you know, when I spoke to him, like his his training style and stuff like that, because he trained in Thailand for a bit, was just trained Thai style, which basically means two sessions a day run, you know, in the morning and a run later on. And you're just putting in long sessions and he was just always trash. He wasn't sleeping enough. He wasn't eating enough. So he was just not in a good position. He was always injured and always feeling sore. So once we kind of really improved his recovery, then all of a sudden his performance started taking off. Like he goes, now I'm able to do more sessions and I feel a lot better or, Hey, my gas tank's feeling a lot better. And um, really is just like dialing in, the behaviors first, then we can kind of work on it. Yeah. So for anybody that's maybe hearing that and realizing that they might be sitting in the same boat where, you know, they're putting in these long hours, but they're not really able to get the effect from these long hours that they want. Uh, and they might need to look at dialing in the recovery a little bit. What would be your advice as far as like habits to start working on right away? Uh, are there any simple ways that they can start, you know, at least seeing the beginning of those benefits of adding the recovery work in? Um, generally, you know, sleep is going to be very important. Sleeping and eating. So obviously um, eating enough to fuel your workout and your recovery. There's certain targets, that, especially in the combat athlete world, they tend to undereat because they're always afraid of uh, not making weight and, uh, or they'll, you know, try to cut down on weight. And, you know, that's kind of like a double whammy in a, a bad, a bad way. Right. Because yeah. now they're not eating enough calories and they're training hard. So they're struggling to make weight and they're feeling trash. So generally if you are eating enough where you're at a caloric deficit and you're still like losing fat and, and weight without sacrificing too much muscle. So that will help your performance, but also sleeping, you know, like a lot of people just don't sleep well. They, they really don't dial in their nighttime routines. And I really go over that with them and track their sleep and recovery. So, and, and then really guide them along the way with that. But uh, once they dial in their sleep and that gets better, they notice things start improving. Yeah, absolutely. So as far as tracking the sleep and recovery, because I know that, you know, on the surface, it is such a simple concept, but personally, I know I still struggle with that. There are so many evenings where, you know, I'm out and about and then I realize all of a sudden it's one o'clock in the morning and I've got to get up early the next day. It's, it's always been a struggle on mine. And I know so many athletes out there that it's a struggle for them too. Do you have any tips as far as like actually starting to dial that in? Or is it as simple as just get your ass to bed and get the right amount of sleep? It, you know, sleep like nighttime routines, nighttime routines. Um, it's always a work in progress. It's never like, Hey, you do one thing and boom, you just magically sleep a lot better. It's, uh, I always tell people like, Hey, you know what? Set a regular bedtime. Okay. And wake up like in the morning, get sunlight in the morning to kind of set your body clock, put your phone away, you know, avoid the blue, the blue light over like an hour before bed and obviously avoid heavy meals before bed. Cause I have a lot of athletes just um, eating, you know, big meals and then going to sleep and they realize like they're waking up tired. And then I look at their stat because I have a whoop and I track all of them and then I'll see their sleep quality. And I'm like, Hey, what's going on with this? And then it's like, well, did you eat a big meal before bed? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, yeah, well, let's, let's uh, work on your meal timing and uh, get this better. And, and generally when they listen, they do well. I mean, it's amazing how that works. Hey, you listen to the professionals and all of a sudden things start getting better. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's very key, but uh, that, that's the thing, right? Um, 
that's why everyone benefits from working with a coach, right? So I work with athletes and, you know, there's some that really just take off and just do awesome. But then there's others that kind of have their ups and downs. And generally the big thing with athletes is, uh, well, just people in general, they just kind of stand in their own way. They just yeah. always find a reason, some bullshit reason, just to fucking stay where they're at and not improve. And I really kind of nudge them out of that comfort zone and, and really push them where they need to go. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's one of the biggest, biggest things for most people to get right is, you know, getting out of your own way. Like it's one thing to have, you know, these things happening in your life that get in the way, but a lot of the time people just need to buy in and start working on it. Right. It is, it can be really that simple of just standing in your own way. Um, but I'm curious, like, I'm curious. So you were talking about, you know, you have some that they just, they start up and they're just off to the races. One of the real motivators behind starting this show, as I told you, was helping athletes understand what is it behind the scenes that actually creates success in sport? Because, you know, we see so many kids that they wake up one day and they just decide they're going to be the best hockey player, MMA fighter, whatever it might be ever. And they have no concept of what these guys that actually make it to the top, these guys and girls that actually make it to the top, what goes into creating those athletes. So in your experience with some of the athletes you've worked with, is there anything you notice that really helps athletes succeed compared to those who maybe drop off and don't make it as far as they're hoping to? Um, I will say that I speak to a number of athletes. There's some that are really serious about it and you really take it seriously about their training and really taking things to the next level. And then there's others that just, you know, pretend that they want to make it to the next level and they just kind of keep doing what they've been doing. Um, the ones that are really successful or, have that mindset of uh, being successful, they already consciously had it set in their head that they're like, Hey, I'm going to make this change. I need to make this change. Like, just tell me what to do and I'll guide me along the way. So then they understand like, Hey, you know what? I cannot just do this alone. I need professionals around me. Like, Hey, my coach is for striking my coaches for grappling. Hey, my strength and conditioning coach kind of really understands what's going on. So it's almost like a village to raise a fighter. And we just basically uh, just kind of work together and really, um, yeah, for them, once they make a decision, like, Hey, I'm going to do it then they do it. And it's really a lifestyle thing. It's not like you just show up, look good, throw some spinny shit or whatever. It's more like, endless practice, endless hours, really like sacrificing going out on weekends and stuff like that, not partying all the time and really just living that life. And because you're training so many days out of the week and, um, you know, you're tracking your food, you are really making sure you get enough sleep. And the ones that really dial in those behaviors along with putting the work in the gym, like they're the ones that take off. Yeah. Well, I mean, I love that, you know, especially as blunt as it was, you know, you don't just show up and throw some spinny shit. Like it's actually living the lifestyle, right? Because I mean, I think that's a lesson transferable across really any sport is that, you know, if you have a real goal set in mind, if you're truly serious about it, like there, yeah, you're going to have to sacrifice those parties on the weekend sometimes. And you're going to have to make sure that you're keeping good track of your food, keeping good track of your recovery, uh, being ready for training. It's one thing to show up to the gym. It's a whole other thing to actually be ready to go when training comes. Right. So I like that idea, that thought of, you know, living the lifestyle and not just sort of going through the motions, 
But when you're talking about the pretenders, uh, you know, because there are definitely some out there and I can think of I can think of many that I've come across before as well. If there's someone right now that maybe they're in the mindset where they think they're doing all the right things, is there anything you could advise for them to you know, look within themselves, look at what they're doing right now to really see the difference between am I one of the serious ones or am I one of the ones that's just pretending and kind of going through the motions? Well, one, obviously you can download the uh, training pipeline worksheet to really kind of analyze it, but it's not a guarantee that you'll you know notice it because people that are delusional, they're just thinking, oh yeah, I'm perfect. I could just do push-ups and run a couple miles and I can hang with anyone. But um, I'll say that uh, generally you don't compare yourself to the people around you in the gym. You compare yourself to all your competition in your division, right? Because you could be the big fish in a little small pond in your gym because not every gym's the same, right? So you can feel pretty good and be like, oh yeah, I can hang. But then when you go against someone that's a uh, higher level or training and going against higher level athletes, then you start realizing, oh man, I'm not as good as I should be and I need help. So that actually happened with one of my athletes where he was 10 and 0 in the beginning of his career. And then all of a sudden he got moved up. He got to compete against the bigger fish. And then it was one and one, one and one, one and one. And he realized those wins aren't coming as easy as you should. And you start questioning yourself. And then that's when he decided to reach out to me and we're dialing in his behaviors and he's been putting on really good performances, obviously, but um, there's always something else to work on. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's a, that's a fantastic lesson as well, right? It's like, no matter where you're at right now, unless you are sitting on top of the world, you know, the top promotions, the top of the top, well, wherever you're at right now, like there is a bigger, there is a bigger pond. There are more, you know, there are more competitors. So even if you're doing well, wherever you're at, don't look and say, well, I'm beating all the local guys in my area. Look and go, okay, what are the guys at the next level doing? What's separating me from them right now? What's separating, you know, those guys from the guys above them and always trying to dial in those behaviors early so that you're not trying to learn it on the go when you are against those top competitions, right? Yep. Um, yeah, very true. Um, actually, I had just enrolled a guy that's like a high-level amateur fighter. He's supposed to fight in the UFC, but, um, you know, just chatting with him, he had that ma- mindset. It was like, listen, I realize like I'm really good with this now, whatever, but I feel like my strength and conditioning is, you know, a lot to be desired because obviously as I want to climb the ranks, like, you know, that margin of error is just going to be smaller and smaller. So you really have to dial in everything. So that's why like he signed up and he was like, okay, like let's work. That's awesome. I mean, I love that. It's nice when athletes can kind of come to that realization themselves, right? That like, okay, Mm -hmm. I might be, I might be skilled. I might have this, this, and this dialed in, but that doesn't mean that when I go up against the number one guy in my division, I'm going to be good and I'm going to be able to take him. Like what's he doing that I'm not. And how can I make sure that I'm ready for him or him or her when I actually get there. And uh, from the work with these higher level guys too, is there anything you notice, like any habit that maybe surprised you that has helped really make a difference? Or is it just that standard, you know, get your sleep, get your nutrition, get your recovery. Is there anything else on top of that, that maybe you notice that these higher level guys are doing that younger amateur fighters can maybe start doing now to give themselves an edge as they, as they start moving up the ranks? Well, the thing is like, if you're an amateur and you're comparing yourself to like the elite pros, like just understand that your lifestyles are just drastically different. 
Because if you're an amateur, you're busy balancing, you know, work and, and stuff like that. It's not like it pays well. So there's a lot of balancing involved, right? Because you have to, you still have a personal life. So, um, yeah, with uh, a lot of the amateur fighters I work with, like I really work on balancing out their life and really just making sure that they're doing enough in this category and then they can dedicate enough time in another category so that they're not just wasting time doing, you know, unnecessary stuff because time is short and, uh, you know, basically they have a life to live. So with the pro fighters, um, you know, they may have the luxury of training more often or just want to get a massage every day or or stuff like that. But the average person doesn't. So I never want them to compare themselves to the lifestyle of a pro fighter, maybe the mentality that they should improve and always work on stuff, but you know, unrealistic to kind of, uh, live their whole life just like that. Yeah. I mean, that definitely makes sense. Like if you have to work to support the fighting career at this point, like you're not going to be able to train the same way or recover the same way necessarily because you still have to balance these other elements of your life. But that brings me actually to a really important point that I was hoping to touch on today. Uh, For those that are in the beginning of their career that are balancing a full-time job and training and all of these other elements. And, you know, obviously you don't want to sacrifice any training because you want to be improving in the sport. What would be some things they could look at in themselves as far as, you know, needing extra recovery time, um, needing extra recovery time to, you know, be able to make the most of the training that they're doing and not necessarily just always be trying to train more. Um, It is a challenge um, because, you know, even coaches have their own coaches. Like for my business, I have my own coach. And the reason why is because there's just so much on my plate that I do need someone to take an outside view and just say, Hey, this is what you need to focus on right now. This will move the needle forward for you and bring some clarity to the situation. And that's why I always recommend, like, if you're serious about competing or really in the sport, uh, get a coach, a knowledgeable coach that really understands the big picture, right? Because I really take a bird's eye view of their life. And I was like, listen, this is probably what you need to focus on right now. And this and that, like, you know, obviously Instagram and stuff like that will show all these crazy exercises, and, and people will think, Oh, this is what I need to do. Or, Hey, I need to run sprints like this, or I need to do this. And uh, once you have working with a coach, then they kind of understand like the appropriate stimulus that will work for you and your lifestyle. Yeah. I mean, I think that one's huge. Like the world, especially the world today, you know, you see all of these highlights, you see the way certain guys are training and then right right away your brain goes to, Oh, I got to train like that. Or I got to train like this, but also understanding, right. That every athlete's different, you know, the training style for this UFC fighter or that, you know, that athlete here, that's not necessarily going to be what works for you. That's not necessarily going to be what you need to be doing to make the same kind of progress. So, um, yeah, there's, uh, yeah, there's some people I just, um, thrive off simplicity. Yeah. It's, and there's others that are a little higher level and yeah, you can start throwing bands for their deadlifts and kettlebells and all that stuff. And, but, uh, the average person and the, the level, uh, the room for stimulus in a strength and conditioning program for a combat athlete, like they're not power lifters. You don't really have to get so intricate in their programming. They just need simplicity and balance. And generally that's what I provide for them instead of novelty. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that part's huge. And 
actually coming to the point of talking about coaches, you know, for people who maybe whether it's in the strength and conditioning capacity or for skills coaches or anything like that, um, what would be your advice to us to make sure that, you know, we're helping again with these elements of making sure that we're giving our athletes the most we can out of their training. And, you know, we're not overworking them. We're not, you know, putting them in a bad position and we're actually setting them up for success when they come into competition, whether it's from a programming standpoint or just, you know, from, I know a couple of times I've had to kick athletes out of the gym when they come in bagged and I just, you know, I know they need recovery days. Like, what would be sort of your best advice, things to look for with combat athletes to make sure that us as coaches are also setting them up for success and not getting caught up in that, you know, grind every day kind of mentality? Well, obviously, if you see their um, performance is dipping during the sessions, that, that's a, a key sign. They're coming in tired or they look haggard and pretty tired all the time. Um, but, you know, obviously with me, I do track with the whoop, like their sleep and recovery. And I just kind of know where it's going on. There's sometimes like, I'll just see on an app, like, Hey, they, they recovered poorly. And then I just investigate a little more and say, Hey, what's going on? Like, are you feeling all right? Oh, I didn't sleep well. I was like, all right, well, you're doing an easy session today. It's like, I'm not going to double, double up your training right now. It's like, just keep it easy today. And then reschedule for a different day. And, um, you know, you have to be really cognizant of that. So, um, generally coaches are the newer coaches are a little more cognizant of that, of not overtraining, but old school coaches will just kind of push you and, and, you know, no pain, no gain. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So from the athlete standpoint, uh, you know, is like, what would your recommendation be? If you feel like you're in a position where, you know, you have a coach that's just pushing you through no matter what, like, is there anything that you'd say you know from an athlete standpoint to be able to maybe help guide that process or help change that process because you know the way I look at it is I always try to make sure it's a collaboration it's not me just telling the athlete at all times hey this is what we're doing this is why they've always got to be part of that process too you know depending on how their recovery is going all of that so anything from the athlete standpoint to make sure we're getting that collaboration and we're not just you know living in a dictatorship of the coach always dictating everything that's going on yeah, so it's, it's really a back and forth with it. Um, but when you have multiple coaches going on, um, you know, there are some coaches that are more open with it and will collaborate and understand, like, hey, this is how we're going to balance things. And then, obviously, if they're more old school, like this is the training camp, this is what it's going to be, um, then I'm, I generally have to tweak things on my end to make sure that I'm not trashing them even more and just really kind of, making sure they recover enough and just giving them just the minimum stimulus because I know they're just training so hard during fight camps. So it's really like a dynamic, it's a dynamic thing. Yeah. So, I mean, just making sure that you're adapting what you're doing with them to work around the other coaches, you know, if you are in a position where they're a little more old school and they're not as open to as open to those discussions. Yeah. It's really all about the athlete. You know, it's, it's not really about my ego or the, coach's ego is really like what is in the best interest of the athlete. So I would always kind of make suggestions and kind of tweak things around just to at least make it, put them in a better position compared to being trashed all the time. Yeah. I mean, that makes perfect sense. Like I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that. Cause I definitely, I definitely, I've struggled with it at times working with some of my, some of my fighters, but 
it is, a, it is ultimately, it does come down to that, right? It's like, if I have to change my programming to make sure that they're recovered and they're going into the fight feeling better, it makes more sense to do that than to have me go through exactly what I wanted to do from the strength and conditioning side and then have them be worked three times harder through all of their training and then come into the fight exhausted. Yeah. So um, with athletes or with anyone in general, I, you really don't get too much across by telling them you almost have to make them admit it. So when you kind of pose questions and have them realize, oh, I need to make this change, then you get your point across more versus telling them what to do. So I generally do that with my athletes. Making them admit it, you mean like in terms of like how much yeah. they're training outside of the work they're doing yeah, with you? Like, hey, do you feel like this is sustainable? Do you feel like this is your best interest? Yeah, I see you skipping your strength sessions. Like, do you think this is going to, be sustainable in the long run? Like, do you feel like this is in line with your goals? And then they're like, no, I was like, all right, I'll get back on it or I'll, I'll fix this. Yeah, that makes sense. So it's got to more come from them to, you know, really help them realize what's going on. It's got to more come from them than it is just you telling them. Yeah. Cause uh, it almost has to resonate with them. And then once they admit it, then, you know, yeah, it's a little easier for it to resonate with them if it's them that's saying it and not them that's being told by somebody else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And I mean, with like, especially with a lot of fighters, I know it's a tough balance sometimes, right? Because, you know, you've got these guys that they want to be working, they want to be training, and it is tough to admit like, oh, no, maybe I'm not doing the right thing and I've got to make some changes, back off a little bit, whatever else it might be. And one thing as well with the industry uh, in combat sports, obviously sports psychology is a huge part of it. You know, you're getting into a cage mm -hmm. to fight a trained killer that's paid more money if they take, if, you know, if they, if they're able to beat you. Um, is there a lot that you do to manage sort of the mental side of sport within training as well? Like how much do you find that plays a factor in what you're doing and how do you go about managing that with your athletes? Uh, mindset is very key because uh, you almost have to project your true self in order for you to um, succeed and get ahead. Um, if you are always insecure and, uh, you know, always down on yourself and stuff like that, odds are you're not going to perform well. So, I mean, there are sports psychologists out there that really specializes it and kind of works with them individually. But I've kind of referred like even some of my athletes just to books, just to kind of really have some exercises going about like um, giving verbal affirmations about themselves to tell them themselves every morning and really kind of change their mindset. And I have one athlete that he was very nervous and always like kind of unsure of himself. And now he's become much more confident in sparring and going into competitions and just kind of trusting the process, trusting the progress that he's made in strength and conditioning and that it will carry over into the ring. So yeah, once you kind of really work on their mindset and having believed that the work that they're putting in is paying off, then they do a lot better. Well, man, I love that idea. Just the positive affirmations. Like I know I've heard that a few times from uh, even some previous guests on the show about, you know, things they do just first thing in the morning, the three or four things they'll say to themselves and how it affects them, you know, going through their day-to-day -day life. I just know that with combat sports, that's obviously a huge element of it right you said you refer your athletes to some books were there any books in particular that you found like if you're talking to another combat athlete right now any good books to start with things that you'd recommend sort of reading up on to help with the mental side of the game 
Um, yeah, I kind of read it even for myself. Psycho cybernetics is really just kind of about um, understanding your true self and really letting yourself um, kind of shine because um, it's interesting stories. I think the book was based off like a plastic surgeon where obviously, you know, they'll do the plastic surgery and there was a percentage of people that completely changed like after they got their plastic surgery and then others that just remained the same or even worse. And it was really about what was inside of them and really letting it out. So yes, you know, he did the surgery and then all of a sudden they felt like it was their, their true self then they just kind of like took off. And generally that's, um, you know, even my growth as a coach and as a business owner, like, you know, in my infancy, I was really like uncertain and like, Hey, am I good enough for this? Will I make it and stuff like that? But now I'm at that point where I was like, yeah, I know this, I'm good. I could still improve, but I have to established. And that's the same thing with fighters, right? You're like, Oh, I'm not sure this and that. But then now it's like, all right, I got this. I train, I put into work, I can do this. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's a huge key too, right? Is it's not being more confident doesn't mean you think you're on top of the world and there's nothing you could be doing better. It's just understanding that the work you put in is paying off. Like I remember even for myself, like the first time I was working with a pro fighter, I remember going into the gym that day and the whole way into the gym, the whole morning, oh my God, I've got a professional athlete coming in today. Like, oh, am I good? Am I going to be able to work with him? Like, am I going to be able to help him? What, you know, what am I going to do? What if he doesn't think? And like all of these insecurities running through my brain the whole day. And then mm-hmm. I remember he walked in the door and I just stopped myself and I went, no, this is the same job. It's just a different athlete. Like I know exactly what I'm doing. I know how to do this and mm-hmm. I know what we're working on here. So yeah, we're good. And you know, it's kind of the same mm-hmm. thing coming from the athlete standpoint of, You've put the time in in practice. You put the time in in the weight room. All of that work together is going to pay off, and you just need to believe in the work you're putting in. Yeah. So no matter whatever level you're at, and the, the whatever field, um, everyone always battles with imposter syndrome. Yeah. Right? So that yeah. is a big thing, and um, yeah, with fighters as well. Right. So um, the more that you feel like you've dialed in your behaviors, your training and stuff like that, the more that you know that you are putting the work in and really kind of believing in yourself, then yes, that comes out during fight night. Yeah. And I mean, I think too, it's like, it's easy to kind of get caught up in, well, what's the opponent going to bring, you know, what are they going to do that I'm not going to be ready for and all of this. And yeah, you want to be conscious of that stuff, but if you spend all this time worrying about the opponent's game plan, right. Then you kind of forget like, well, you've got to fight your fight. You know, if you're trying to just be ready to fight the opponent's fight, then like, well, they probably will take it over because you're, you're preparing for them. You're not preparing yourself. You know, like I've always kind of found that an interesting balance too. Yeah. You got to fight your game. You can't fight their game. Yeah. And you know, do you have any examples maybe of athletes you've worked with? Like you don't need to name any names obviously, but Mm -hmm. uh, any athletes you've worked with that maybe have really struggled with that and any, any ideas or any tricks that they were able to use to reverse that a bit. So if there is somebody that struggles a little bit with imposter phenomenon uh, to be able to kind of get themselves out of that mindset and really trusting in their process. Um. Yeah, I have like one, the one, the middle-aged fighter, it was in the beginning, like he he was really insecure about himself, like about his training and this and that, and he wasn't doing things right. And, you know, he, he just really wasn't training at an efficient level. And then once we kind of 
dialed in his recovery and he knows he's re- recovering better. He knows his cardio is improving, his strength's improving. Now he's starting to believe more. And then like when we do check-ins and he's like, he goes, yeah, I was able to push these sessions and I have more in the tank for another session and whatever. He goes, this recovery thing is amazing. And it's, <laughs> it's really cool. And I was like, where was this been all my life? And now he's starting to believe in himself. Like he goes, Hey, like I can do this. I can put myself in this position that I can push and succeed. Um, I have another fighter that was like, um, you know, I was in Australia. Um, he had an issue where he was old, usually trash before his fights. So he, he never like went in feeling great. And we worked on his recovery and stuff like that. And he went in feeling great. And the thing was like, um, he never trusted his gas tank and we've been working on it. And then during the fight and stuff like that, he lost by like a close split decision, but he realized because because my gas tank wasn't an issue. Like I really could have pushed the pace. And I was like, yeah, that's what we trained for. And then his next fight, he really just pushed the pace. And then it goes, yeah, my gas tank's not an issue anymore. Yeah. So, so I'm, so it really came down to for the two of them, like just again, dialing in those behaviors, like as simple as it sounds, it's, you know, the better and better though, all those elements of the process are, the more you see it come out in competition, the more you can kind of train your brain to realize that, Hey, if I'm doing things right, I'm good when I get in there. Yeah. Because, um, you know, uh, with that one fighter, he was like, Oh, they switched it to four rounds instead of three. So I was kind of spacing my energy for the first round because I didn't know it was going to be four, but then he realized it goes, Oh, I could have just pushed for the whole four rounds because for our cardio sessions, we're really kind of working on stuff like that. And now he trusts it. So like any fight he goes in, he's just going to push the pace and he doesn't care. Yeah. Like he knows that no matter what gets, no matter what task gets put in front of him, he can go hard and he can last through the whole thing. Yeah. So you don't go in there with feeling doubt. You just feel like, all right, I got this. I love that. I mean, it's, it's always funny to me when I have these, when I have these talks with, you know, different coaches, how simple the whole process seems from a surface, you know, like it doesn't, there's nothing Mm -hmm. crazy difficult. There's nothing ultra complex. Like it really is just train hard, eat well, recover properly and be deliberate in your practice. Like always be focusing on what you can try to improve next. And as time goes on, you're going to keep getting better. You're going to keep improving. And you know, if all goes well, you're going to be able to make a career out of it. Right. Yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, everyone, every coach and stuff like that tries to reinvent the wheel and, you know, kind of give complex explanations for stuff and stimulate this, stimulate that. And the thing is like, you know, the, there's a whole life that you have to balance. And generally once you kind of find that balance with life, then you're going to really realize that you're going to move the needle forward much more, which kind of balance everything first and keep things simple. Yeah. And one thing that I think, especially, you know, we were talking a little bit about it before we, before we hit record was um, part of being part of sort of the team for an individual athlete like that with, uh, with combat sports, with, people in that position where they're an individual athlete and, you know, they need to kind of build the team around them. Obviously a support network is a huge piece of being able to be successful, like having the right people in your corner, knowing that, you know, the coaches around you have your best interests in mind for any combat athlete who's maybe getting started and, you know, trying to build that team around them. Would there be specific questions you'd be looking to ask a coach, uh, you know, things to make sure you're kind of looking for to be able to find that right fit? Like, I know everybody's different and they're going to need different things, but maybe like a good sort of general starting point for these guys trying to build their team. Um, 
generally, I guess they can kind of ask about their approaches and stuff like that. Not, not necessarily like, you know, whether you're throwing bands or any special, like, you know, sports specific exercises and stuff like that, but more like they understand what a fighter goes through or, and, and really like how to balance things with their training and their life and everything. So generally once um, you realize a coach kind of takes the outside view of stuff, um, generally they realize that it, efficiency is going to be like the key thing. Cause I've had some athletes that just kind of ask me questions and then they asked me about heart rate training. I was like, well, shouldn't your coach know that? And they're like, no, my coach doesn't know it. I'm like, really? And it's <laughs> like, okay. And I'm just like, I don't know what you're doing with your coach. Yeah, exactly. No, that makes sense. I mean, like looking at sort of the holistic approach of what a fighter goes through and not just sort of one specific little element of, you know, of any one specific element of training, really. Mm -hmm. I like that a lot. Well, Richard, I think we've gone through a lot of really good stuff here. I mean, I think the, you know, some of the big takeaways for me are really just making sure you're developing the making sure you're developing the lifestyle, right? So there's, you know, there's a lot that goes into becoming an athlete, but overall developing the lifestyle around athletics, developing the lifestyle of, you know, keeping that sport as a top priority and always trying to figure out, you know, what you're doing and how that's benefiting your performance when you hit competition day is really going to be one of the ultimate drivers for success in combat sports. Um, given the goal of the show with, you know, what we're trying to talk about here, is there anything you feel like we've missed anything that you'd want to touch on a little more that combat athletes can and should be doing to reach those levels of success? Um, I'll just say like, I'll, from the coaching aspect, um, generally it always works better when there's a mutual respect between the athlete and the coach. So those kind of one way streets, those dictatorship style doesn't really work well because it just doesn't really uh, address the needs of the athlete. So generally when there's a mutual respect and they a back and forth and dialogue and kind of work together about really reaching those goals, things work a lot better versus like, Hey, you're just going to be doing this too bad. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't agree more. I think that's one thing that I've really strived for myself as a coach is to always have it, especially with these individual athletes, you know, as they're building their careers, like, I might know how to lift weights properly and how to structure a program, but they know themselves. They know, you know, how stressful work is. They know, you know, the rest of what they're going through in life better than anybody else is going to know. And so if it's me just saying, Hey, this is what we're doing today. You know, that might work well some days that might work really poorly other days, but if we're having conversations about it, trying to kind of build that system together, that's where I know I've found a lot more success. So it's, it's definitely, I definitely appreciate hearing you say that as well. Cool, man. Awesome. Well, Very it's cool. been an, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. I really appreciate you taking the time to you know come on and sort of share a little bit more about what it is you do and, you know, give your insights to combat athletes and what they can be doing to help bring themselves to the next level of competition, <laughs> the next level of sport and create the careers that they're dreaming of. Um, if somebody's looking to get in touch with you, whether it's, about something we talked about today or, you know, to get into a little bit more about the work you do and potentially working with you in the future, yeah. uh, what would be the right ways for them to go about that? Always uh, hit me up on Instagram. So um, basically it's uh, at the MMA doc. All right. You, um, you know, if you message me, it's me on the other side of the DM, 
you can just download the, the training pipeline worksheet and the link. And just kind of, if you want to take that first step of really kind of looking at your training regimen and seeing what can be more efficient. And uh, yeah, we'll always kind of chat. And it's um, always glad to kind of spread that message of training smarter. And because um, as a physical therapist, I've just been seeing so many athletes run to me for injuries and stuff like that. And I was just tired of putting out the fires and I was just like, what's going on with this? And that's when, you know, I took my strength and conditioning background and really applied it to like make them quote unquote fireproof or bulletproof and just really kind of uh, have them train smarter so they don't run for injuries all the time, you know, unless there was like a freak accident. Yeah. Well, man, I love that too, because, you know, like I said, like I've had, I've had athletes even tell me like, Oh, I don't feel like when we work together, like we work that hard. I don't feel like we, you know, push the limits and I keep sort of coming back to, yeah, because strength, the goal of strength and conditioning is not to, push the absolute limit day in and day out every single session. The goal of strength and conditioning is to set you up to perform. So, you know, your program's built around helping you perform when you're at your skills training sessions. Cause if you're beat up for those, if you're exhausted for those, then you're not really getting much out of that. So how am I doing my job? Well, if you're not able to do anything else other than the sessions you're doing with me, like, but training smarter, helping, balance all of that together is what's really going to help the athletes succeed in the end. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely needed because, you know, obviously there are smart coaches out there that understand that, but you know, there's others that just think like, well, the athletes just laying there in a pool of sweat because we just did like a, a really intense hit workout multiple times a week. I did my job. They're exhausted and like, that's it. I, I killed them. So we put it into work and it really doesn't work that way. And in, in, in the long run and in the longevity of the fighter, that's just not the way to go. So, you know, if we get more smarter coaches out there, that's always awesome. Yeah. I love spreading that message too. Cause I mean, you know, I think it, this simplest way I always try to put it is anybody can walk into a gym tomorrow and put you through a really hard workout, just start picking and choosing exercise, giving tons of reps. It's going to be a really tough workout. But if you turn to them and you ask, how's this going to benefit me when I hit the ring in a month and they can't answer that question, they can't tell you, oh, we're working on this because this is going to help you, you know, here, here and here. You're with the wrong coach, plain and simple. Like you could pick a guy off the street and they can make you a really hard workout. You can't pick a guy off the street and make you a workout that's going to actually benefit towards your performance as a combat athlete. Very true. I love that. So, I mean, that's, I think that's an awesome place to end off here. I really appreciate again, you taking the time to do this. Um, Everybody listening, please take some time, go check Richard out at the MMA doc. I've been following you just for a short time right now, but I've definitely uh, gone down the rabbit hole a little bit, looking into a little bit more about what you do. So I really appreciate what you're bringing to the table. I think you're really going to be helping change the game in the years to come for combat athletes out there everywhere. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you, man. That means a lot. So uh, I always appreciate the kind words. Absolutely. I hope you have an awesome rest of the day. And everybody listening, this has been the Elite Development Podcast with Richard Mack and Kenny Dusso. Thank you again for tuning in to another episode of the Elite Development Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, I would greatly appreciate if you subscribed and left a review for the show. As well, I would love to hear what your biggest takeaways were from the episode. My contact info is linked below. Send me a message and let me know what you thought. As always, I'm your host, Kenny Dusso. Thank you again, and see you next time.